Well, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I love those uh, explanations of worship. You know what was great about that video that you just saw? It was a raw definition of worship. None of that was scripted. And uh, that's what I love. It just came out of their heart. Uh, Zach was making coffee. And uh, <laughs> just came right out of his heart. And he's making coffee. And he's just telling you his heart. And that's what worship is. So I'm so excited about this brand new series called The People's Hallelujah. For those of you watching online, welcome. Thank you for being a part of this service. And uh, thank you all who are here in person. Uh, let's stand up and let's read. Psalm chapter one, we're gonna go through the book of Psalms um, and several, several books, but today it's uh, Psalm chapter one and you can uh, follow along on the screen. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Uh, Father God, we humble ourselves and surrender ourselves to your word. We need you, God. We are in desperate need of, of your presence. Um, be with us right now, God. I pray by your grace, you work in me and through me, Lord. You know what my week has looked like. Uh, I have surrendered as best as I can, Lord, to your word. And I just, your word, Psalm chapter one is so beautiful, God. And I just want to do a good job communicating. But we don't need my wisdom. We need your wisdom, God. We need an encounter with your spirit. So I pray that every person watching online has an encounter with you. I pray every soul that's in person has an encounter with you. Speak to every person. You know the hearts, you know the motives. I also wanna pray for our, our teens, our students who are in camp right now, God. I pray that you speak to them, Lord. Work through the hearts and minds of those who are speaking. I pray they all have an encounter with your presence and they are transformed, God. I know many of them you are planning on using for great purposes, God. And thank you, Lord, for raising up uh, children and teens in this church who are going to be used by you for your kingdom. So have your way in this church. I pray against any distractions. I pray against any spirits here, Lord, that are not of you, God. And, and uh, may you have your way in us. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray all this. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated, church. Thank you so much. You know, have you ever needed a word from God? Have you ever needed a word from God? Um, I've needed a word from God. In this last week or so, I was at this place. I'm not, I wasn't planning on sharing. I'm already going off of my notes, guys. I'm not sitting on my notes. I'm just sharing my heart with you here. But uh, this last week, I was like, Lord, I need a word from you. And you know, it's amazing when you, when you, when you cry out to God, um, God knows if you really want him. God knows if you really 
seek him with all of your heart. If we really do want him. And the Lord gave me a word. Zechariah is becoming like my favorite book in the Bible. Zechariah. I know it's a weird book, but it's a great book. And uh, the Lord just spoke to me in Zechariah. And after he spoke to me, I was like, okay, I'm ready to take the devil on face to face now. I'm ready. That's the power of God's word. There is nothing else like it. We're in this brand new series called The People's Hallelujah. So glad you're here. Glad you're watching online. And uh, uh, today, actually, actually tomorrow, Sunday, is going to be the last day to submit an entry related to praise. So if you've always wanted to write a song, this was your opportunity. Um, the next one you'll be getting in your inbox. So let us know. If we don't have your email, let us know. Put it in the chat room or something. But the next theme is going to be Jesus. So uh, you can uh, submit an entry. I think we had a total of about 10 or 15 entries on praise. I hope to have about 20 or 40 entries on Jesus. And uh, just, just share your thoughts. And uh, our worship team is putting together these custom songs, and they're using your lyrics. So it's going to be exciting to see how the Spirit, how the spirit moves. So keep an eye on your on your inbox. This is going to be a great message. That's already been a great service, but it's going to be a great message. You know how I know? Because we had people praying one hour before service even started here. One hour before people. We had three women holding down the house. Three women crying out to God. So we're starting this. You probably got a text or something like that. But if you believe in the power of prayer and you want to see God move in your church, then you are welcome to come in person and pray one hour before on Saturday, which is 5 o'clock, or on Sunday morning also at 8 o'clock a.m. they're praying also. So if you're watching online, just plan on praying one hour before service starts and pray that God moves in a powerful, powerful way. I want to start off by, by uh, talking about these psalms. You know, in Psalms is... Uh, the book of Psalms is the longest book in the Bible. You know how many chapters there are in the book of Psalms? 150. 150. One of the chapters in the book of Psalms is the longest. It's Psalm 119. That's the longest book in, in or longest chapter, rather, in the Bible. Um, the book of Psalms is actually separated into five books. Separated into five books. And in fact, uh, I, I'll just share this with you so you can get an idea. Um, Psalm 150 just talks about praise and praise and praise. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And you see this um, over and over, this idea of praising and praising God. And if you look at these, these books in, in, in the book of Psalms, these five books, and uh, uh, the first book ends at chapter 41, and the very last verse in chapter 41 said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, amen and amen. So if you look at the end of every book, you'll find this phrase or a phrase very similar to this, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. If you look at the last book in, or last chapter in Psalms, and you turn to Psalm, 100 and, Psalm 150, and you find that same theme again in Psalm 150, and the theme is this, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Psalm 149 is about praising God. Psalm 148 is about praising God and all of creation. 
Psalm chapter 147 is about praise for the God of Jerusalem. And, and you see this theme at the end of Psalms, at the end of the books, and it's praise God. So everything, you, can, you, could, you could say the book of Psalms is a workbook on praise. It's a workbook on praise. Just like the book of Proverbs is a workbook on wisdom. Well, Psalms is all about praise. So if you want to learn how to praise God at a whole new level, immerse yourself in Psalms. It's so, so beautiful. Some of it is, is poetry and, and others of it is songs and others of it might be a prayer or whatever it might be. Um, we know much of it was written by King David, but not all of it. David, we know there were 73 chapters in the book of Psalms that he is attributed to be the author, 73. Other ones are, are Solomon, Moses, and, and others as well. But it's an incredible emotional book. Anyone emotional? Are you driven by your emotions? You're, you're good, you're up, you're high, you're left, right, sideways, you're everywhere, right? Um, anyone, anyone like that? Well, you'll love Psalms because there's so much uh, uh, verbiage in Psalms that you're like, that's where I'm at. That's what I feel. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Emotion. And you see it, it's, it's beautiful. If you don't know what to pray, just open up Psalms and read a chapter. All of a sudden, the words will come to your, come to your mind. It's an incredibly emotional, emotional book. So today, we're looking at Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. And it starts off, Psalm chapter 1 and chapter 2, the, the author of these two psalms are anonymous. In chapter 3, you see David. But Psalm chapter 1 is kind of like an introduction to the entire book of Psalms. That's what it is. So, so, um, I want to start off by saying this. Nothing in this world will give you greater pleasure than knowing God intimately. Nothing in this world. For those of you who came with your spouse or boyfriend or girlfriend, the person sitting next to you will not give you as much pleasure as knowing God intimately. Nothing. It's not about money. It's not about fame. It's not even about the problem that you're facing in life. We, we, we focus on problems because they're visible. But it's not about that. It's not about um, anything you own or would like to own. It's not about where you live or where you would like to live. Sometimes we live in this place of, you know what, I really shouldn't be here. I should be living in another state, and you're like restless. So I shouldn't be working at this place. I should be working somewhere else, and you're spiritually restless. Or I shouldn't be, I should be, and you live in this place of spiritual angst because you compare yourself with others or whatever it might be. But I want you to know there's nothing in this world that will give you greater pleasure than knowing God intimately. That's the heart of God. That's the heart of God. It's the heart of Jesus for you to know him intimately. I think the danger for people who walk with God is they get a little taste and they say to themselves, 
okay, I got it. And they think, yep, I, I, I go to church every once in a while. You know scripture? Yeah, I know scripture. <laughs> I was uh, interviewing someone. We were interviewing people for a videography position. And, uh, and I asked one of the candidates, you know, he, he prided himself in, um, in, uh, in his relationship with God. And I just asked him, so what was the last thing God told you through his word? And tell me the book and the chapter and the verse. Got real quiet then. Because a lot of times we say, what's the last thing? What is God telling you? Oh, God's telling me I need more patience. Yep, that's what God's telling me. Those are those kind of things. Oh, God told me he's, you know, that he's in control. Well, tell me the book, tell me the chapter, and tell me, tell me the verse that God used to speak to you. That's a sign that you're intimate with God. That's a sign that you're not riding on someone else's faith. And I've seen that happen so many times. Husbands ride on the faith of their wives. Wives might ride on the faith of their husbands. The boyfriend rides on the faith of the girlfriend. Girlfriend rides on the faith. Whatever it is, we, we borrow each other's faith. We latch on to them. And then we convince ourselves that we're a person of faith. When really, you're just piggybacking. You're just hanging on, but you yourself, God wants you to know him intimately. And there's nothing else, there's no other substitute in the world than knowing God intimately. Psalm chapter one talks about two different types of people. Sorry, we have two, two chairs up here. One type of person is mentioned in Psalm chapter one, and then there's this other person that's mentioned in Psalm chapter one. I'm gonna ask you which type of person are you? Psalm chapter one, verse one. Blessed is the one, let's read it out loud. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or, did you see that? Blessed is the one who does not, you're going to help me out a little bit, church? You're going to help me out? Type in walk. Let me just talk to those online right now, okay? Who <laughs> does not walk in a way, or that person does not stand. There it is. And he doesn't sit. He doesn't walk in the way, uh, uh, doesn't walk in, in step with the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. But it starts off with this word blessed. Say blessed with me. Blessed. How are you doing? Some people will say, oh, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Or if you're in the South, you know, Southerners know how to, you know, like um, put you down without putting you down. You know that? Southerners are so good with that. Bless his heart. You know what I'm talking about? That's like cussing in the South. I just want you to know that. The word blessed means this. It's a Hebrew word, esher, and it means, it means this. Happiness or contentment. Happiness or contentment. Now, happiness is a big word. There was a recent poll by, by Gallup, and, and in, in this poll, it said 70% of Americans are unhappy with their job. Happiness is a big word. You know, what makes you happy? What makes you happy? Is it a good meal? Does that make you happy? What makes you happy? It can sound almost shallow, can it? You know, happiness. But this other thing, happiness or contentment, means 
I have no desire, I have no need to compare myself with others. I have no need or desire to compare where I live with where you live or what I drive with what you drive. Sometimes I struggle with Pastor Jeremy's truck and I'm thinking, you know, that would be a nice truck. And then I think about it and I think, I'm okay with my exterior. I'm fine with it. You know what I'm, Austin knows what I'm talking about. He, he, he's just content. And, 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 uh, and it's happiness is this state of, of I'm, uh, blessedness is a state of happiness and contentment that I'm okay with my circumstances. And the reason why I'm okay with my circumstances is because I know God is with me and he's taking care of me and I don't have anything to worry about. Sometimes we can get caught up in comparing and trying to acquire and, and we forget all this. This other, this word, uh, Esher, if you look at the Hebrew word, the actual root of this word, we're going deep around the Hebrew of the Hebrew, the root of the root of this means to be straight or to be right. So literally this means this, the happiest people are right with God. That's what this verse means. The happiest people are right with God. And the word right means they're living their life in a God-honoring way. Everything that they do in, 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 with, with their life is, is straight before God's plumb line. It's right before the eyes of God. They're not living a life of secrets. They're living a life of transparency before God a life of full integrity. And that life makes them happy. So the, the happiest people are those who are right with God. Blessed. 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 So if you want to experience true happiness, then live right before God's eyes. Now, this verse is talking about people who are diligent about being right before the eyes of God. Nothing matters more to them than being right before the eyes of God. So much so, you know, how, you know what they do? Here's what they do. Um, they don't walk, stand, or sit with people that are wicked. They, they just don't do that. And in other words, if you want to be happy, you have to become picky about who you walk with, stand with, and sit with. You have to become picky about it. See, the people who are righteous are very aware that there's some company, there's some people that are not going to help them in their walk with God. They're very aware that they have, to, they have to guard, jealously guard. They have to declare war against anything that fights against or can take away their faith or their intimacy with God. That's battleground. That's fighting ground. My Lord, my time with God is so precious. And they have this zeal, a righteous zeal to protect their relationship with God. That's a righteous person. It's a righteous person. David uh, Gusick said this, the righteous person and the ungodly person are different in how they think, how they behave, and to whom they belong. They're just different. I think the challenge with stuff like this is everybody considers themselves to be righteous. 
That's the challenge. Nobody ever says, you know what, I'm not sure. Most people say, yep, that's me. I got it. I heard that. Yep, I'm, that's me, whatever it may be. But the righteous person, he doesn't, doesn't walk, doesn't stand, right? What was the other one? He doesn't sit with the ungodly or anything that's ungodly. You might think, well, they're just paranoid. They're just extreme. They're just way too conservative about that. They don't understand. You know what? They need to loosen up, whatever it is. But here's what the righteous person understands. Here's what they understand. Sin is progressive. They understand that it's just a little bit. They understand that the devil just needs you to have a little bit of resentment in your heart. The devil needs you to have just a little bit of lust in your heart. Just a little bit of anger is enough. Just a little bit of addiction is enough. Just a little bit of hate is enough. Just a little bit of arrogance is enough. Just a little bit of pride is enough. Just a little bit. The righteous person understands sin is progressive. To put it another way, the righteous person knows the devil works with inches, not miles. One degree off course can become 180 degrees with enough time. That's what it is. Just one degree off course. I need a volunteer up here. Can I get someone to come up here who's willing to come up on camera so that millions of people can see you? Can I, I do that? Where's uh, Pastor Jeremy? <laughs> Matt just walked away. <laughs> Can I get someone who's willing to come on camera? All right, Austin, come on. If you want to come on, come on, Austin. He's raising his hand. It's too late, Jeremy. Uh, he's raising his hand. I want to make sure we understand what this, this degree stuff. You look so good to be on camera, too. You can say hi to mom. Yes, you can. Yep. <laughs> All right. So, so one degree. So here, let me give you a picture of four different relationships. Here's a picture. This is going to help you out at work. This is going to help you out with your employees. This is going to help you out in friendships. This is going to help you out in relationships. This is, this is good stuff right here, guys. Remember, the righteous person understands the enemy works in inches. So I'm going to give you four different relationships. And we'll go A, B, C, and D. Or let's just go one, two, three, four, right? <laughs> one, two, three, and four. And I'm going to ask you to shout out at the end which relationship is most dangerous. Okay? I'm going to represent, I'm going to go north, so to speak. So here's one relationship. Um, let's just turn your whole back this way, uh, right there. Now here's one relationship. I'm going this way, and Austin is going that way. So this is relationship number one. Are we walking the same direction, yes or no? Okay, here's another relationship. Face that way now, brother. Just face that way. Now, I'm, go I'm walking this way, and he's facing that way. Is are we walking the same direction? Let's call this number two. And, and here's number three. Let's just do number three together. We're, we're, we're completely side by side. We're both walking. Are we walking the same direction? Okay, this is number three. Now, here's number four. Let's do this right there, just a little bit. Here's number four. Are we walking the same direction? <clears throat> Thank you, brother. Appreciate you coming up. 
which relationship was the most dangerous? You guys are smart. Number four was the most dangerous. When he was walking that direction, it was obvious, wasn't it? When he was walking that direction, it was obvious, wasn't it? The goal is for us to walk the same direction. Oh, but when he was, not like this, but he was like this. Just a little bit. You know why this relationship is dangerous? Because you think you're together. It's that relationship where they say that one thing before they hang up the phone, before they walk out of your office. Whatever it is that they say that one thing and you think, what was that about? Oh, it's nothing, I'm sure. And here's the other danger in that relationship when he's just off two degrees, you will live longer with this relationship. You know what I'm saying? You'll live longer and other people will stay and be impacted by this relationship. It's only a couple of degrees and you'll convince yourself that you know what, it's just a couple of degrees this, was what we'll do. this is what he'll do. He'll adjust. But what happens over time? You stay with it longer. So the two-degree relationship is the most dangerous relationship because you have this hope and you live with it longer and there's more casualties as a result of it. This is the way the devil works. He just wants you off just one or two degrees. Just a little bit of sin. It's harmless. Nobody else knows about it. It's not hurting you. You're in control. You're in control. And if the enemy can convince you of those things, then you're willing to live with that one degree, two degree separation. Blessed people do not get righteous advice from unrighteous people. Blessed people. If you wanna be a spiritual leader, get advice from a spiritual leader. Don't get advice from someone who's not a spiritual leader. Don't get advice from that. And man, let me just put it this way. Being a spiritual leader does not mean you just need to make sure your wife is happy. That's not spiritual leadership. And ladies, same thing. The essence of a marriage is holiness. My wife should be closer to Jesus because of my relationship with Jesus. And I should be closer to Jesus because of her relationship with Jesus. We should lift each other up. Don't get advice about spiritual freedom from a drug addict. Don't do that. They don't know, they don't know that kind of freedom. Don't get advice about a strong work ethic from a lazy person. Don't do that. Don't get advice about perseverance from someone who's never committed to anything. They don't know anything about that. And don't get advice about a righteous life from a wicked person. Verse one says they don't stand, they don't sit. What was the other one? They don't, they don't walk. 
See, there's an awareness that I'm not going to be with someone who's not going to help me have a renewed mind. Incidentally, you could renew a lot of things. You could renew your house. You could renew your car. You could renew your, your, your wardrobe and get new clothes. You can renew uh, office or uh, you can clean up the room. You could renew a lot of things. You know what the most difficult thing to renew is? Your mind. That is the most difficult thing to renew. And when you come to know Jesus, your mind needs to be renewed. See, for those of you who came to know Jesus, you knew how to do certain things before you knew Jesus, right? You knew how to do certain things. You knew, when you came to know Jesus, you, your memory, you still remember how. You didn't forget. But there is a way to renew your mind. There's a way to have a new mind in spending time. Be around people who help you be transformed. Be around people who help you see trans, be transformed. The righteous person recognizes, I'm not going to stand, I'm not going to sit, and I'm not going to walk with the unrighteous, with the wicked, because I can be influenced. I can be influenced. Have you ever talked to someone and they say certain things? You know, maybe, maybe they use a word over and over. You know, they might use, let's say they use the word indeed or something like that. You know what I mean? And they just, it's a slang that they just throw in and you hear it enough and after some weeks or whatever, you're having another conversation with someone else and you say something like, indeed. And you're like, wait, where did that come from? You ever pick up stuff from other people that you hang out with them a lot? You know, bless his heart. It's like, I kind of like that. And then you'll say, bless his heart. You're in a whole other conversation. See, here's what you need to know is we could be influenced by others very easily. And we can pick up things from other people. The righteous person understands and declares war against anything that goes against his faith, his intimacy with God. And he's saying, I'm going to make sure I stay right with the Lord and I'm going to fight for my relationship with God. I'm not going to act like those unrighteous people. I'm not going to be like them. I'm not going to work like them. I'm going to be completely, completely different. Verse 2 says, but, those, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, this is the righteous person, and who, what? And who meditates on his law day and night. So this word law here, uh, it's related to the entire Bible. I want to make sure we hear that. It's, it's related to the entire Bible. Um, it was written referring to the first five books of the Bible, the law, but it's referring to the entire word of God. And it says he meditates or she meditates on it. Um, how often? Day and night. <laughs> That's Hebrew verbiage for always. That's what it means. Always. When you see that in scripture, day and night, it means 
always. And this word meditate is so strong. You know, there's nothing like the word of God. I, I love hearing gospel. Anybody like gospel music? I love gospel music. I love it. And there's a song called The Voice of God by Dante Bowie. And there, these are the lyrics. He says, I can hear it in the crackle of a bomb fire. And I can hear it in the middle of the ocean water. Oh, I just can't explain. But it makes me want to cry. And I can hear when the rain falls on my windowsill, on a playground where children's laughter lives. Oh, I can't explain. But it makes me want to cry. And I can hear it in the busy New York City streets. And I can hear it in the country Georgia fields of green. Oh, I can't explain. But it makes me want to cry. It's the voice of God. It can make a grown man cry. Oh, there's nothing like the word of God. See, the righteous person finds joy in hearing God's voice. The righteous person spends time in their Bible. When? Day and when? Day and night. The righteous person knows where the well is at. They're okay with secondhand, you know, information. It's good to hear preachers and it's good to hear read books and it's good to hear podcasts and it's good to hear all those things but the righteous person they know where the well is at and they hear from God from the well the righteous person is a lover of God's word the righteous person needs God's word the righteous person thirsts for God's word. When the righteous person has a bad day, they go to God's word for encouragement. When the righteous person feels like they're in a slump, they go to God's word and they open it up and they spend time with God. Where do you spend time with God? I wanna encourage you, just get really practical with you. Go to a place where you're comfortable. I'm gonna go on this side because this is a righteous person. I'm gonna go to a place where you're comfortable where you have little to no distractions, a place that you can just enjoy God's word and, and make it a habit. Uh, comfort is important because if you're uncomfortable, then you're distracted. You're distracted about, you know, if you go to a place too cold or too hot or whatever it is, but if you go to a place where you're physically comfortable, maybe it's even in your car, and you say, I'm gonna spend time. I try to read at least one chapter in the morning to get my day started. Sometimes I'm not able to do that. Sometimes I have to read later, but I'll tell you what, my days are totally different when I spend time in God's word in the morning. The righteous person is a lover of God's word. And this verse said earlier on, did you see that? It said they meditate on the law, the word of God, day and night. That word meditate, it's not necessarily like sitting on a beach, you know, you know, cross-legged and this kind of thing. I like the way John Ortberg said it. He said, if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. 
It's the same basic process of mulling something over in your mind. Isn't that good? You need to take a picture of that one. It's so good. <laughs> like if you're, if you're someone who, who worries, well, gosh, you got, you're, you're, you're flexing the right muscle. It's just focused on the wrong thing. Instead, focus on that verse and, and, and try to memorize that verse. How many verses do you know by memory? How many verses do you, that's how you meditate. When you meditate, you're memorizing that scripture. How many verses do you know by memory that you can quote to me? Romans chapter eight, verse 28. All things work together for good for those who love God are called according to his purpose. You can quote to me Romans chapter three, verse 23. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Jeremiah 29, 11, right? Whatever it is, you, you know, how many verses do you do by memory? When you meditate and focus your mind on the word of God, it changes your heart. You're renewing, you're allowing God to renew your mind and you're thinking differently. You're getting stronger. Tim Keller said this, meditation is taking the truth of the Bible and pressing it down to the very base of your heart until it catches fire. Isn't that good? Some of you just need a fire in your soul. Jesus prayed for us in John chapter 17. He said, my prayer is not for them alone. He's praying to the Father. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Oh, go to verse 21. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Did you see the words of Jesus? Jesus is saying, God, I want those who are following me, who hear the message, I want them to be so intimate, to be in me, just like Jesus and the Father are one. The prayer is for the Christians to be one with Christ. It's oneness. It's beautiful intimacy. That's the heart of Jesus. It's the heart of God that we walk with God and we get to know him and we live this righteous life and we spend time in his word day and night. And there's spiritual intimacy. There's oneness with the Father. And his will becomes your will. His desires become your desires. And verse 3 says, that person, the righteous person, is like a tree planted by, by what? Here it is. They're planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. Yields its fruit in season. And whose leaf does not, what? Does not wither. Whatever they do, prospers. Have you seen a tree? that's planted along a river, how beautiful it is. It's drawing nourishment from that river, isn't it? How many times do you see a tree like that in the middle of a field where there's no water? Not too many times. When you run across a tree that's planted by a river, it's getting it a regular supply of nourishment and refreshment. <laughs> it's easily sustained. 
a regular supply of life. This means that the tree planted by the water will grow to be strong and sturdy and have a good root system. And this tree will constantly bear fruit. You hear that? You know why the tree is so strong? Because it's planted by the river. It's planted by the river. It's getting its nourishment. Here's the righteous person. It's getting its nourishment by the river. And it gets stronger and stronger because it's by the river. The righteous person won't walk, stand, or sit with the ungodly, the wicked. I like what Warren Wiersbe said. He said, the most important part of your life is your root system. Isn't that good? Your root system. That's the most important part of your life. Taking care of your soul is the most important part of your life. You want to have a strong marriage? Then you need to spend time with Jesus, brother. You need to spend time in the Word of God. Spending time in the Word of God is more important than anything else. It's more important than your coffee or buying lunch or breakfast or dinner. It's more important than making sure she's happy. And sister, same thing applies for you. You want to experience freedom and true contentment and stop comparing? You need to spend time in the Word of God, chica. You need to spend time in the Word of God because you're working on your root system when you spend time in the Word of God. Yeah, I'll tell you, let me tell you what the greatest, you know how, how, how Thorn Creek gets stronger? I'm going to speak personally now. You know how Thorn Creek gets stronger? You know how I get stronger as a pastor? I do something that none of you see. I have my place where I spend time in God's word. That's how the church gets stronger. I spend time with Jesus. And I make sure my heart is free from sin. And when I do sin, I ask for forgiveness. And I get up and I say, God, I want to shake that off and I want to learn from that. I want to live a life of obedience and faithfulness to you. Because we all need the grace of God, right? If we sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. First John 1 9. So if you want to have a stronger marriage, if you want to have true happiness and contentment, you need to work on your root system. You need to spend time with Jesus and spend time in his, in his word. Your root system determines your nourishment. If you're not by the water, your leaves will show. Your fruit will show. You ever see someone who hasn't been in church in a while and you hear them and you're like, wow, bro, you need to get back to church. You hear the words that come out of their mouth and you're like, Are you, I, I, I'm just telling you, I'm hearing the words that come out of your mouth. I know you're not spending time in the Word of God. I just know it. Because when you spend time in the Word of God, there's a renewing of the mind that happens. You see things differently. Galatians says the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. See, when someone spends time by the river, <laughs> the living water 
and someone spends time, you can see it. It shows. You can see it, this fruit in their life. You see it the way they love. It comes out. It's beautiful fruit. They love differently from others. And there's a joy inside them, a peace in the storm, a patience, a kindness about them. Don't you like being around kind people? Isn't it refreshing to be around kind people? People who say encouraging words, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That means when you feel like you're facing a temptation from the devil, you used to trip up and fall, but you have a new self-control. And you're not going to let that thing have a hold on you like it did before. It's different now. You have a self-control about your temper. You have a self-control about your thought life. You have a self-control. John 15 tells us, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. This is Jesus. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit apart from me. You can do nothing. So you look at these first three verses in Psalm chapter one, and it's all about the life of the righteous. They don't walk, they don't stand, they don't sit with the wicked, the unrighteous. And they meditate on the law of the Lord. They meditate on God's word. How often? Day and night. Verse four says, not so the wicked. Not so the wicked. They're like chaff that the wind blows away. I didn't know what chaff was, and I did a little research. Chaff is that light shell around a kernel of grain. That's what chaff is. It's a light shell around a kernel of grain. And it must be stripped away before that kernel of grain can be ground into, into flour. Chaff was light enough where during the Bible days, they would put it on this board and kind of throw it, away, throw, throw it up. And that chaff was light enough that the wind would blow it away. And they would be left with a good grain. So all they have to do is throw it up like that. And the wind would blow away the chaff. Do you see the difference between the righteous and the unrighteous? The unrighteous, wicked people lack substance. They can't handle hard times. They can't handle persecution. They can't handle too much. Storms come into their life and there's chaos and confusion. But the righteous person is like a tree planted by the water has a deep root system so when the storms come and the wind blows they're strong they're strong and it's because of their structure their root system it's because they're they're embedded into the into the water of life therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous 
And verse 6 says, For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Which one are you? Which one are you? Are you a lover of God's word and you spend time in God's word every day? Are you, are, 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 is your mind being renewed? Are you happy? Blessed? <clears throat> the unrighteous person has a whole other life that doesn't involve a river. It's a whole other life that doesn't care about the things of God. And here, the psalmist says, all of humanity can be separated like this. There's the righteous and then there's the unrighteous. Two categories, the righteous and the wicked. That's it. Two categories. Which one are you? Well, let's pray. God, we humble ourselves right now. And Lord, uh, you're so good at moving in hearts. And I just, just want to lead that person who maybe needs to turn to you. Maybe they recognize they're not truly that righteous person. And God, if, uh, would you move in that heart right now? And if that's you, would you, maybe you need to say this prayer. God, would you forgive me? I want to seek you uh, with all my heart. I want to know you more intimately. I want to hear your voice through, through your word, God. I want to become a lover of your word, God. Right now, I just don't, and I need to. And so I ask you to give me an appetite for your word, for times with you. And, and I, want to, I want to get to know you, God, in a way that, a new way, God, a fresh way. I want to be that righteous person. So right now, I, I ask for forgiveness for my sin. I repent. I, I change my mind. I, I turn to you with all of my heart. And I give you permission, God. I give you permission, Holy Spirit, to do whatever you want in my heart and mind right now. Do whatever you want. Change my attitude. Give me a new love. Give me the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control. Just, I want to bear those fruits, Lord. And give me wisdom to know who I shouldn't run with. Give me wisdom to know and to see it. To have your way, God. Thank you for your presence. Thank you. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.